Well, it's Thursday, and you are listening to Season 4 of Days of the New. I am Kevin, as always, joined by my co-host, Nick. How you doing, Nick? Hey, everybody. Happy New Year from uh, Las Vegas, Nevada. Mm-hmm. How was uh, that? I don't want to be anywhere near that mess, but uh, <laughs> my uh, girlfriend's house from the backyard, you can see the whole strip, so it was pretty wild to like go out and see all the fireworks going off and drones and shit flying around. It was, uh, it was pretty crazy, but our, our dog was goddamn miserable. Cool to see. Happy to scratch off another year. Hopefully, this, uh, this one is uh, the best one yet for us and everyone listening. It's not. Yeah, probably no. not. But <laughs> uh, all that said, I do have a heartwarming tale for us today. Okay. Today's story is a story of family. South African bishop and theologian Desmond Tutu once said, you don't choose your family. They are God's gift to you, as you are to them. It was Dominic Toretto who once told us, you don't turn your back on family, even when they do. Proverbs 17.6 teaches us, Children's children are a crown to the aged, and parents are the pride of their children. And in my research, I found one immutable truth. Step families love to fuck. Oh my God. <laughs> well, well, when you're doing all of your research on Pornhub... <laughs> Well, you know, whether it's sis reaching under the table for your drumstick during Thanksgiving or mom gets stuck in the washing machine again, <laughs> or just a simple favor to help chill out after a long day in every town and every state of the union, there's a step family fucking and sucking. <laughs> now, un- unfortunately for us, the- today focuses more on the sucking part. You know that there's more than one website, right, Kevin? Look, the, the, the research is in. <laughs> Edema is a new metal band whose existence on this earth can be attributed to nepotism. For those unaware, let's just get this out of the way right now. Edema's frontman is Mark Chavez, a.k.a. the stepbrother of Jonathan Davis. Mm-hmm. Some may find it plausible that Edema rocketed to the middle of the charts on their own merit. And while plenty of talented siblings excel in the same field, this is not that. To this day, Adema is the band with Jonathan Davis's stepbrother in it, mm-hmm. even though he's not even in the band anymore. That is how Adema will always I know, he's be like remembered. In and out and in and out, but yeah, yeah, I, 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 well, whatever. We'll get to where they are now and how oh, yes, we will. Shit is today. We're going to have them step out of that long, hairy, methed-out shadow and have their moment in the sun. So let's get into it. First off, a bit of family lineage. Yes, Jonathan Hausman Davis, born January 18th, 1971, the son of Holly Marie Smith and Ricky Dwayne Davis. His parents divorced when he was three years old, and his father and stepmother raised him in Bakersfield. Meanwhile, Holly went on to marry Mark Chavez Sr., and together on November 15th of 1978, they brought Mark Jr. into the world. Marky's life seemed to have mainly been good and bereft of the trauma that would place Jonathan in a group like Korn. Uh, I'm guessing they got a new babysitter. <laughs> and the first thing that you need to know about the history of Edema is that it is wildly confusing. This group is a revolving door of guys from Bakersfield. Mm-hmm. And that's really surprising, given that dudes from Bakersfield have a reputation for being level-headed and reliable. So, <laughs> have you ever been to Bakersfield or like driven yeah. through it? 
I have not. Oh, it's fucking bleak, dude. And so like California is divided between like expensive ocean real estate and then like meth country. <laughs> oh, the inland empire is, is just awful. What is the inland empire? Oh, that's what they call like the California, like, you know, 29 Palms, Bakersfield, um, that whole area that's just like high desert California, not like awesome beachfront property California. Mm-hmm. Like in between Las Vegas and Los Angeles. Ah, uh, perfect breeding grounds for uh, basically the music that we cover on this mm-hmm. podcast. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it, it is wild how many like Bakersfield connections there were in this this little window, right? I mean, you were you and I lived in Chicago when Fallout Boy like blew up, mm-hmm. and then like every band that kind of sounded like Fallout Boy from Chicago got picked up. Like that's yep. what happened with Corn. That's a lot of what this early story of Edema focuses on. It can get a little bit confusing, but we are professionals here, so we'll try and keep it straight. So the band that would become Edema started as an offshoot of a band called BPD, which is Big, Powerful, and Dangerous, with Mark Chavez on guitar and Mike Montano on bass, and I shit you not, Barry White on drums. Wait, what? The the guy's name is Barry White. (laughs) You got to change your name, man. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, oh, hey, have you met our new bass player, Mick fucking Jagger? (laughs) (laughs) BPD broke up and Mike and Barry decided to form another group. And at that point, Mark had decided he was done with guitar and wanted to move to lead vocals. Around that time, they also met drummer Cesaro Garasa. Now, Garasa was playing drums full time with the ska band Mento Buru. And the guitarist in Mento at that time was Mike Ransom, who originally played saxophone. Nick, would you like to hear what Bakersfield ska sounds like? Oh, absolutely. It sounds like ska from everywhere else. Actually, yeah. You put your finger and you write about your latest parade. I said, if I may, if I might, and I can use your women, not screaming and fighting and creeping just like underwear. Is there anybody to compete with you? I'll read this masquerade. If I knew about this when I was like 13, I would have loved this. This would have been my favorite band. This is like purposely serviceable California like pizza store, Scott. Like (laughs) if you went to like the pizza place on Friday and sat on the patio Uh, and this band was playing, you'd be like, this is fine. Yeah, this is nice. But I'm not going to like go buy a ticket to see these guys. It's just like if they happen to be playing in the Tex-Mex restaurant that I am am enjoying dinner at that day, it might be fine. Anyway, Barry White didn't work out, so Garasa was in. And around the fall of 98, guitarist Eric Jackson joined the band and Edema were formed. Edema. Edema? Yes. It was spelled spelled different? Yes. Uh, E-D-E-M-A. What is an edema? According to the Mayo Clinic, edema occurs when tiny blood vessels in your body leak fluid. The fluid builds up in surrounding tissues, leading to swelling. Mild cases of edema may result from sitting or staying in position for too long, eating too much salty food, having premenstrual signs and symptoms, or being pregnant. Well, isn't it also like something that like coroners look for and like signs of death? Like, yes, yes, it is. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah. So uh, the band started gigging locally at places like Jelly's and Spike's Bar with fellow locals like Juice and Swag 666, which is just the most local band thing I've ever heard of. 
They eventually recorded some demos, including this live demo with the track titled Columbine. Oh, come on. Which I will now play for you. Thank you. This next song is about the kids of Columbine who got murdered. This next song is about those motherfuckers in Columbine who got murdered. I hate that shit, but you little fucking snot those fags fucking shooting up kids. Fuck all that. Fuck those little punks. Fucking stand up square, use a fist on a fucking plane. Bitches, die in hell, fucks. Kevin, this is Man in the Box by Alice in Chains. <laughs> Wait, what? Oh, shit. Hold on. <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> So yeah, pretty terrible. Yeah, it's god awful. Yeah, I also like how uh, he goes and calls uh, Eric Harrison, Dylan Klebold, uh, you know, a track six. <laughs> I know, which is probably what uh, they were screaming at everybody that they were shooting. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, uh, believe it or not, based on that musical prowess, Adima started getting some traction. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna read a quote from Garasa and tell me if anything jumps out at you in this. After a few shows, we were being booked without having to do any pay-to-play or push any pre-sale tickets. Still, a lot of gigs were packed by people hoping to see if a member of Corn would be there to watch us. The bigger the rumor, the bigger the crowd. Yep. Yeah, kind of like when people would go see David Silveria's garbage metal band because the guy from Corn's in this band. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So uh, I love the fact that they openly admit, yeah, we were doing pay to play and like sell your own tickets and like just buying onto showcases. And then they were telling everybody, yo, I heard Jonathan Davis might be there. <laughs> so yeah, Edema broke up. And this is again from uh, Garza. The tension between the band members had reached a tense, volatile state. Factions were formed. Ransom and Marky, Mike and Eric. I was in the middle, trying to keep the frayed edges from disintegrating the whole. The last show we played was at Spikes with Juice, and the hostility between band members had hit such an intense high that Eric waft, walked off stage before the show was over. That caused an outrage between the different factions. I ended up stabbing my sticks through the snare drum in frustration. So that was the end of the first incarnation of Edema. It's important to note that this origin story is what religious scholars would call apocryphal. It's not included in any of the official tellings. So from here forth, we're going to be going into like the King James version of Edema. <laughs> you wouldn't believe how many fucking Angel Fire and GeoCities web pages I had to go through to like cobble together the unofficial official telling. You're the only one that would do this, guy. Uh, I know. Essentially, Marky took the Edema brand name and ran with it. Now we've officially transferred to the press release version of their history. Remember that band Juice from Edema's final show? Well, basically, Marky and Ransom teamed up with drummer Chris Coles, who played with Bakersfield legends Cradle of Thorns, the band that would go on to be Videodrone, who were signed to Korn's Elementary Records. Mm -hmm. Yep. 
Uh, rounding out the group was Juice guitarist Tim. Fl- Is it Flucky or Fluky? I feel I either it's like Fluky. Fluky. Let's go with Fluky. And bassist Dave Daru, who formerly played in Sex Art, the band that featured Ryan Shuck of Orgy and Marky's older brother Jonathan Davis. And in case you get confused about all this, Juice was kind enough to put it on one of their flyers. Oh, so, wonderful. This is an original Juice flyer. Nick, Holy can you shit. read that? This is this is a whole eight and a half by 11. Um, <laughs> yes, yeah, CDEP Butte available now. Juice, featuring former members of Sex Art, parentheses, the Bakersfield band that also included Corn's Jonathan Davis and Orgy's Ryan Shuck. Twisted, dynamic, grood-filled, and heavy. Says some easing on Juice Cities. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Listen to Juice on the web at www.aa.net slash tilde slaglip. <laughs> and then the classic 90s send self-addressed stamped envelope for more information. I took a look at the Smother Easing and holy shit, it's fantastic. It's like this perfect time capsule. Uh, you get tour dates for Caven listed alongside interviews with Grade and E-Town Concrete. Whoa. Yeah. There's a system of a down interview from 1997, and there's an advice column. But what I really love is this interview that I found with Juice. And I'm just going to read you the ending of it. So here's a piece of an interview with Tim Flukey. Smother. End it all off with a good joke. Flukey. Could it be a tasteless ethnic joke? <laughs> oh, Jesus. Smother. Sure, I don't care. Fluky. Cool, I've got one for you. I got a lot of Mexican friends, so don't get me in trouble. What do you get when you cross a little Mexican boy with a little Polak boy? A little kid that likes to spray paint his name on chain link fences. Yeah, it's a little dark. Smother. That's pretty good. It's pretty bad, but funny. Have a wonderful (laughs) practice and take it easy. Like, who in an interview? Dad, can I say something racist? Oh my God. Anyway, here's Juice. So this is some <laughs> asshole singing through a guitar pedal. He's, he's singing through a flanger. <laughs> oh, terrible. The uh, uh, attached press photo of the band, everybody mm. just has like a black pointy chin beard, <laughs> <laughs> which is a trend that will extend into edema. Yes, it will. <laughs> so that's juice. Was the juice Bud Light? Because <laughs> <laughs> that's what it looks like. So the players are accounted for and the stage is set. Edema 2.0 is here and they are ready to go big. We've already got a really slick three song demo, some industry connects and a familiar relation with one of the biggest bands on the planet at the time. Uh, Within a year, they are signed to a three record deal with Arista Records. So before we get into this musical odyssey, I want to talk about the marketing. How does one make their unique footprint on the musical landscape? It's a tricky needle to thread, using your industry backing while still maintaining a DIY ethos that got you there. Well, if you're a Dima, you go on season 10 of MTV's hit reality show, The Real World, back to New York. (laughs) This is such a weird time in music. Oh, my God. As the title indicated, this was the first time that the show was filmed in New York since its inception 10 years prior. 
So for this go-around, the cast of Seven lived in an 8,000-square-foot, four-story loft in Manhattan's West Village. Their assignment? Act as receptionists for Arista Records during the day and street team for up-and-coming bands at night. So I went back and watched the episode, and the first thing that hit me was this disclaimer. Thought in New York City earlier this year, we've chosen to show the remaining episodes unaltered as a testament to the long-standing history and spirit of this great city. Previously. They got 9-11. Oh, man. Keeps happening. Uh, and, I, you know, I totally get that. Like, uh, maybe they could have taken another pass in the editing bay, because holy shit, they 9-11 all over this thing. Like, right out the gate. Yeah, it's at the Twin Towers in every shot. Yeah, like, people are still really fucking traumatized from this. Like, as a nation, like, we have this huge scar on our psyche, and they have five different angles of the World Trade Center in the first 15 seconds. The premise of this episode is laid out in the beginning, and I'm just going to play that part for us. We have a new band on the label called Edema. You are going to go to K-Rock, which is the biggest rock station in the city. You're going to get them to add the record to their station. Essentially what happens is K-Rock has these record company music days where they have a music meeting and in this music meeting every record person who has a new project goes to K-Rock, waits in line, you get like a 15 minute interval to go in and win over the programming department on your record and get it played on the radio station. There's no fucking way that's true. No, not a chance. Could you imagine there's just a line of people like waiting to see the Lords of K-Rock? Yeah, yeah, just A&R from every record label just waiting in line in the, in the lobby. <laughs> not a not yeah. happening. This is huge for Arista. If we can get this song to play on that station, then there's a good chance this band's going to break. Now, I want you to notice in this next part how little of a shit all seven of them can muster about this band. What do you guys all think of the song? It's not my type of music. It's probably the opposite of everything that I like. <laughs> right. So. It's not our responsibility to love the record. It's our responsibility to get everybody else to love the record. Exactly. We, or you guys, have to work collectively as a group. Nobody cannot be a part of this because it will show in the meeting. You have to make it stand out. You have to give a compelling argument why, you know, this record should be played. This is big. This is something that, like, you know, professionals do, and they're going to let us do it? I mean, that's awesome. That's so cool that they're putting this much faith into, into us. It's, a, it's really a, a, a tremendous challenge, but I think, you know, we can do it. <laughs> it's so funny to me because, like, they're trying to portray, like, oh, we're going to have this shot to get this record played on K-Rock. Meanwhile, Arista Records paid MTV an assload of money to get Adima <laughs> featured in this season of The Real World. Yeah, they already they're already signed to a three record deal. Right. Like as I was watching this episode, I couldn't help but think that like literally all of these jobs are extinct. Like six mm. years from now, a meteor called Spotify is going to hit and murder every career in that building. Yeah, for, for sure. More from these useful idiots later. So on August 21st, 2001, Adema released their site self-titled debut, Adema. The album credits Tobias Miller and Bill Appleberry as producers. In researching this, I found out Miller is actually the guitarist for the Wallflowers. Yeah, isn't that wild? Speaking of nepotism. <laughs> uh, and then as a producer, Miller did a few Edema albums, and then surprisingly, one of my favorite albums, False Cathedrals by Elliot. Oh, I didn't know that either. Oh, yeah that, blew, yeah, that blew my mind. Wow, those records are like polar opposites. <laughs> right? Wow. 
According to Appleberry's bio on his site, which makes him sound like the second coming of Christ, as Universal Republic's production guru for all artists on NBC's hit show, The Voice, multi-platinum producer-slash-mixer Bill Appleberry has led the production team responsible for producing, recording, and mixing all of the studio-recorded songs available for download from every episode of the show. Uh, yeah. whatever dude cool he also played uh keyboards on the 1998 kiss comeback record psycho circus oh that, so. yeah yeah there was like kisses attempt at new metal yep <laughs> pretty cool guy Adima's 12 tracks clocking in at 42 minutes and 59 seconds and begins with everyone I think this is a strong opener for me I mean it's got the the introduction to the band is a two chord intro like <laughs> right away it's like we're not very good at this look the, the new metal playbook had like been pretty well established at this point so they're just running routes that like everyone knows yeah it's, yeah they 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 edema's really good at the scary boy band vocals so like yeah. this is a time period where like trl was pitting new metal bands versus boy bands and bands mm -hmm. like Linkin Park and Edema found that sweet spot where they could exist in the middle and have like boy band melodies and like sweetness, but then kind of mm -hmm. make it scary sounding. Well put. So uh, let's just get to the, the meat of it. Does he sound like John Davis? He sure tries sometimes. This is where the meme uh, where mom says, we have Jonathan Davis at home. It <laughs> <laughs> shows Mark Chavez. <laughs> That's where this comes in. He really, really tries his best, or rather the people behind the boards really try to get like that Jonathan Davis, like the tricks, not so uh, much yeah, like he doesn't do like the meth scat stuff, but like the big, like angry, like horror movie singer part. He goes, yeah, that kind of stuff. It's not a bad song. Uh, lyrically, uh, this is a very shallow well that we're drawing from. Oh, yeah. And, uh, I mean, every song's about the exact same thing. Yeah, well, the pain in his brain is insane, yeah, and yeah. no one gets him, and he's twisted yeah. inside. Yeah, that's, but, that's basically it. And, you know, I, you're going to make me do drugs again. <laughs> Can't help it. <laughs> I'm twisted. And that leads right into Blow It Away. Mm -hmm. And this is probably my favorite song on the album. So for me, this song isn't really new metal until, like, the Halloween ghost guitars come in. It's just, for yeah. me, like, kind of like a like a rock song, like a Creed song or something. It doesn't, it doesn't have a lot of new metal tropes, but then it does because it strikes the number one new metal trope lyrically. And that is misogyny. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, the chorus is silly as fuck. It goes, I think about you sometimes and want to kill you. You disrespected my pride. How could you do this? And like throughout this entire album, all we're getting is like some vague, like good old fashioned Bakersfield slut shaming. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, this is kill your girlfriend rock that predates like the emo post hardcore kill your girlfriend music like bullet for your Valentine and shit. Yeah. Um, like I wonder if a major label will release a lyric like that in 2023 on a rock record oh, where you're just like, no. you disrespected me and now I want to kill you, <laughs> lady. <laughs> lady with which I had sex once. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's not great. And it really sets the tone like somebody hurt this man deeply. Or or he just wants the audience to think someone hurt him deeply so he can be as tormented as his brother. Yeah. Who, uh, you know, they, the difference between these two guys is they had different dads. <laughs> as I listen to this album, it becomes so clear how insecure he is about his own identity. 
with yeah, with, yeah, for sure. At least within the music space, I don't know the guy personally, but like it's very, very clear that even he knows in the back of his head that the reason that he has the platform he does is because of who his brother is. Straight There's up. no question, but it's kind of like, well, shit. I'd rather do this than go work at a shoe store. So. Mm-hmm. Hey, well, you can do both. Next up is the lead single from the album, which is Giving In. Let's go back to the real world cast. We'll, you know, persuade them to add edema to their playlist. I think everybody's well prepared. I think we're going to do fine. Kevin, if I was a program manager for a radio station and seven fucking 22 year olds came in to tell me i'd be like fucking six of you stay in the hallway (laughs) and the remaining person better have my payola yeah (laughs) so uh here they go to pitch edema to booker from k-rock the record that we want to bring up to you is this edema project so why don't you guys take over on the edema project the song is giving in and that's the song that we kind of want to play for you today okay aren't really feeling the music and it shows you know people can see that i'm not gonna be up in their front i mean i'll sell the song but i'm not gonna be bouncing to the music if i don't feel it how did arista like get yeah. a hold of this band when i think arista i think right. of whitney houston there's- you know that band corn that you play all the time <laughs> there's uh, a lot of labels going after them so what was the bid Oh, I, honestly, I don't know what the bill is. What do I need to know about the band? Anything? Um, what do I need to know about the band? What is the one thing that separates this band? Who's in it? Uh, how many okay. people? Adima's a, a brand new band, and uh, they from Bakersfield, California. And uh, let's say we uh, we decide to put this on the radio next week. What what, what happens then? What does Aris to do? When's the album out in the stores? July thirty first. Who do you think the audience is for this band? Methods <laughs> of the Family Values Tour. Who's managing these guys? Do you guys know that? What the hell? I need some help here. Just take it to Sharon Osbourne. <laughs> Back to the song. So, uh, yeah, it's the first single. Um, I have zero recollection of this song. Really? I don't think this one was picked up as a single in the Chicago market. The next single definitely was. And I remember it really clearly. But I swear to God, listen to this. I, I Either I erased it. It wasn't memorable. Anyway, the song has pretty good production. Like, it's a decent sounding recording. Yeah, I, I this got played all the time in North Carolina. And I remember seeing the video. Since we've been doing this podcast, we've picked up the formula of your videos for a new band are number one, like live footage, concert footage. They see if they've got a hit. Then number two, they start pumping money into it. This video completely abandons that. There is so much money pumped into this video. The production value is super slick. Like it's so clear that Arista Records like is putting all their money behind this. So my, my my favorite observation about this song is that he he's painted a, an image of himself like he's at home drinking and he's upset that he's alone, but he literally just sang about wanting to kill his girlfriend <laughs> in the last song. And that thing where he's like, oh, I'm giving in to you. He's, he's talking about drugs. Oh. He's going to do drugs. Oh. <laughs> so... Like, do you think that he really did the drugs or that he wanted to pretend he did the drugs like his brother? And if he really did the drugs, how do you think, like, Jonathan and Marky's mom feels? <laughs> Two 
sons make a career just singing about doing drugs. Mother of the year. Uh, it's it's funny that you mentioned that because I guess I'll just skip to this note early, but like I don't want to make fun of anyone's struggles with addiction, but I think he's making this up. I do too. I do too. And, and I think they're making a lot of this up and I have a little proof. Uh, would you like to see my proof that they did not need to go to a radio station to get this song into airplay? Yes. This is a commercial featuring this song. AT&T used this song to announce that they were rebranding their cellular service as Singular. Now, by adding the strength of the most complete and secure network, AT&T will be raising it even higher. Singular's name is now AT&T. The new AT&T, your world delivered. We'll go ahead and throw that on the Instagram so you can see uh, just what insanity we just wow. witnessed. Wow. And then they tossed in an Oasis song yeah, at like, the well, very, they, very yeah, end? And they don't even give it a second. They segue right into the Oasis song because they, they closed every single like, AT&T wireless song with that little Oasis clip. Wow. But yeah, like it's th this song was going to be used for a lot of things. So the label got it in an eighteen commercial. The label got it in a whole story arc in the real world. They sure as shit were going to get it on the radio without the help of a bunch of talentless twenty year olds. <laughs> damn, that's fucking hilarious, dude. Thank you, thank you for sharing that. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, next up is the third single and the cringiest fucking thing I've ever heard in my life. Freaking out. Oh, yeah. Ooh. It starts off with like kind of like KMFDM light industrial yeah. like syncopation. I'm going to play a little just because okay. it is. You got, you're going to play the clip where he talks about his mom. And you know, that's what I'm going to play. <laughs> I was so much an outcast. No one ever liked me because I wasn't wanted. I was so different from the rest of the mom. Upon the drugs from all the speed. And I never got no sleep because I kept on tripping over what they said. Oh God! It's the, it, it is like a top five like cringiest <laughs> moment in a new metal song for me. Like you're a grown man. <laughs> Come on. Oh yeah, terrible. Oh boy. Uh, other than that, there's. I mean, I really couldn't get past that. The song may be good, it may not be good, but like, yeah. Yeah, it has a big corn ripoff part in the bridge, um, but yeah. Because everything that my mom said made me mad. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, well, let's uh, jump back to The Way You Like It, which is their second single, and I, I like this song. Yeah, this is the best song in the album for me, and I do remember this one. Like When I think of Edema, this is the only song that really comes to mind. Mm -hmm. It has a really strong chorus, although it has this background vocal that just keeps yelling, I'll get inside you! And yeah. Like, easy. Take it easy. Yeah, man. no, it opens it's up with learning. Like, yeah, the, the refrain of, I'll get inside you the way you like it. <laughs> no, you won't. I don't need another dude <laughs> telling me he'll get inside me the way I like it. <laughs> Did you, uh, did you watch the video for this? Oh, boy, howdy, did I? So let me just break it down. So the band is playing a show, all right? And like I think that Kevin, Kevin spoke about the production expenses and values of the last video. This mm -hmm. one has an even bigger budget. Oh, yeah. The uh, guitar player looks like Carl from Die Hard, which I can't <laughs> quite get over. So the premise of the video is the band's trying to get into a show where they themselves 
are already on stage performing. It's the younger versions of them who are like, I never thought I'd ever see oh, myself. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Which, right. if we follow the actual timeline, would have been them a year ago. Okay. So, like, the bouncers repeatedly don't let them in. So, like, they all find their way to, like, sneak in or try to. But there's this part where the drummer has to piss. So he barges (laughs) into the women's room. And there's this girl doing makeup in the mirror. And he just pulls his dick out (laughs) pisses in the sink next to this girl. And she looks at his dick and then, like, knowingly gives him a smile. Which is fucking hilarious. (laughs) Because, like, the least impressive anyone's dick has ever looked, aside from coming out of a frigid pool, is when you're just, like, letting out a fucking piss like like, look at that dick yeah he's he's a pipesman and he's holding holding it with both hands like you would like a Roman candle (laughs) look at all this piss I got in me later look look out don't get splashed on pretty lady so fellas try it run into a woman's restroom (laughs) pull your dick out and uh you know, see see what happens. And then at the end, they they all only get into the club because all of a sudden there's a cameo appearance from Chester Bennington and Mr. Han from Lincoln <laughs> Park who vouch for them. And that's how they get into their own show, which I don't know is the flex that they wanted it to be. I don't think it is. And we'll put this on our Instagram, but the beginning of the video looks exactly like the freak gasoline fight accident scene from Zoolander. <laughs> And yeah, then I have I have the uh, the note that the drummer pulls out his penis in the women's bathroom. Uh, but yeah, the whole video is like chicks dig edema and dudes want to yeah. be edema. The other thing that sticks out to me about this song, let me remind you at this time, Marky Chavez is 24 years old and he's singing. Sometimes I only remember the days when I was young. Nowadays, no one remembers when they were young and stupid. Yeah. I'll get inside you. <laughs> yeah, man, bro, you're 24. You're right in the heyday of being young and stupid. Also, you can't sing on your first album. My life has changed, but fuck the fame. I'm still the same. Like, yeah, that's like some big fucking brand new energy, like some Jesse Lazy shit. Yeah. I get paid to make girls panic while I sing. Not not yet. You don't No. And then, and then he says, well, look at me now. Look at me now. It's, it's the insecurity is just like. I think that I think that that's like what happens when like you get the deal, you know, it's happening and then you write a song about it. Mm -hmm. Here's everybody who made fun of me in high school. I'm on MTV in leather pants. (laughs) (laughs) If there's one thing I've learned about Marky throughout this entire album, it's this guy couldn't wait to shit on everyone from his hometown. Like Uh, for sure. Yeah. Fame won't change him. And I believe that's true. It only allows the insecure prick that he is to emerge from its chrysalis. Sounds right. Yeah, Uh, but it's a good song. I like it. Next up is Close Friends. Musically, this is almost identical to the Cold song Give. Oh, really? Yeah, I want to see if you agree with me on this. Okay. Here is the beginning of Close Friends. And here's Cold with Give. Of 
bullets kind of ripped off the cranberries. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're super, super similar. Which one came out first? Cold. Yeah, but like it's it's the zombie guitar riff sped up. Oh, shit. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, that's all I got to say about Close Friends. Yeah, I mean, it has more of a new grunge vibe than a new metal vibe, new metal vibe for me. Mm-hmm. He, we definitely had like the 228 part. He, we, he, we get to go insane. Oh, let's go. Let's go insane. Oh, yeah. So there you go. Next up is do what you want to do and what I want to do. Stop listening to this album. But here we are. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, the only note I have is a uh, big filler energy. Like we're at that part of the record. Yeah. Uh, I like the song musically and lyrically. I mean, it keeps on message by being very, very bad. But yeah. I, I, I really don't have anything else to say about that or the next one's skin. You always need a good jam track on a new metal album, so here, here you go. Yeah, it's a, it's a fucking ballad. It, it, it has come to be expected at this point. Next up is Pain Inside, and Nick, I gotta tell you, I wasn't expecting anything noteworthy on the back end of a debut new metal album, but when you name your song Pain Inside, you better bring it. And I will give them credit. This song had me bobbing my head. If you're going to call your song Pain Inside, I, I expect some real pain inside. This song got me thinking, Kevin. I was I was breaking down these lyrics, mm-hmm. and uh, I was thinking maybe he isn't like a pretend drug abuser. Maybe this song's literal. When he says, the pain inside, I can't understand, maybe he's just really being open and honest and telling us that he suffers from chronic pain. Like, maybe that led him down the slippery slope. Like, what <laughs> I'm saying is, like, Adema predicted the opiate crisis. Oh. Prove me wrong. <laughs> <laughs> this song is about the dangerous road where you get, you got the pain, then you get on the oxy, and then you can't afford the oxy, and you just go right to the fucking heroin. Where on the pain scale would you say you fall? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> where, 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 in, on the pain inside? Where, where is it? One to ten. Boy, I, I wish we could keep on like riffing on uh, opiates because uh, yeah, really don't want to talk about this. <laughs> <laughs> the next song, yeah, Speculum. Whoa, oh, okay, so. For those who may not know, a speculum is a medical tool for investigating bodily orifices, and our women listeners will be all too familiar with it. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of an anti-abortion anthem, or it's at the least a, the man should have a say in the decision anthem. Yeah. It's about abortion, specifically someone marky impregnated, and boy, it opens up with the following. There's so many people dying. You complain about your situation. What about me? <laughs> Half the world wouldn't know what it's like to lose your seed. This song should be called, I did do sex once. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, let's, let's back it up because ladies, uh, when making medical choices about your body, could you maybe think about how I'd feel? Your body, my choice. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. It's just like such a, such a stilted bad argument also i uh, this is the annotation from uh lyrics genius this song according to mark chavez 
is about his ex-girlfriend who had an abortion for their child, but told everyone else she knew and told Mark last. The song expresses how he would have felt if she would have never done that. All right. Okay. <laughs> Lady, you dodged a bullet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Drowning. I, I got to tell you, I'm, I'm fully checked out by this point. My note says the chorus, the lyric is, I wish I could watch you drown and die and take my time. When you write that lyric, you got to fucking keep your nose clean, man, because this is like the most probable cause song of 2001. <laughs> Oh shit. This is, I mean, this is where he really tries to address his like alcohol and substance abuse problems. But again, I mean, I think he's making this shit up. Like, Mm -hmm. here's what I think happened. I think he had one too many Jaeger shots and Coronas in the green room one night. And now he's like, I've got a demon inside. (laughs) (laughs) No, you don't. You threw up and pissed your pants. Yeah. Don't get out of here. You're never going to be your brother. So uh, we finally crawl across the finish line with trust. And uh, Marky just has a few final things he wants to say to the to the one who got away. My note just says I'm, I'm real bored, Kevin. I'm real <laughs> bored now. That brings to a conclusion, Edema. Before we leave this album, I know what you're probably thinking, Nick. How did the real world cast do? Oh, yes, I do. Wa- I do want to know. Jeff, can I put you on speakerphone? Absolutely. Okay, great. You've got the whole crew in the office right now. Guys, hard work paid off. You're going to get the ad. Yeah! Hard work. Like researching who the band's manager was. This was our biggest job, and we completed it. They did it, guys. They did it. Not not prearranged or scripted at all. Nope. They, they put in the hard work and uh, really, you know, I think Edema owes their success to the seven hardworking souls at uh, the real world. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, I mean, nepotism, is, it's not that big of a deal. No. It doesn't, it doesn't affect entertainment or politics. Yeah, or ask your local congressman. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. So where are they now? In 2003, Edema released their follow-up LP, Unstable. It sold 100,899 copies, which is roughly 66% less than their self-titled. They also got dropped. Yeah. Naturally. Uh, So Ransom and Chavez apparently couldn't stand each other. And by 2004, both had left the band. The remaining members recruited this guy, Luke Caracioli, and they did the USO circuit. And in 2005, they released their third album, Planets. And after 10 months as their singer, he left the band. In 2006, Edema recruited vocalist Bobby Reeves and guitarist Ed Ferris from the band Level. They released their fourth album, Kill the Headlights, before going on hiatus in 2008. And in 2009, it was announced that Mark Chavez and original guitarist Mike Ransom were back in the band. Ransom left the band in 2010 and Chavez left in 2011. The reason for this, apparently, was that Chavez had brought his wife with them on to, uh, on the band's 2010 tour. And in 2011, they didn't want to let her go on tour. So he reportedly told members, all right, if you think he can do it without me, you go right ahead. About that, uh, there is some back and forth, he said, she said, that I think is worth getting into. And in an article from bakersfield.com, written by none other than Mike Montano from uh, Edema 1.0, Fluky is quoted saying, He just brought it on the last tour without telling anybody. She just jumped in the van and we were gone. We didn't want it happening this time. 
And uh, Chavez denied being that stubborn, saying, in fact, that he offered a solution to make traveling with the extended entourage more comfortable. And I quote, our pastor had set it up to where they were going to set up the transportation free of cost. There would have been plenty of room. The sheer fact our friend would do something like that would have benefited us on so many levels. I don't know what the fuck that means. Like, were they using a church van? Yeah, I guess. That's not weird. It's saying, you know, my pastor's favorite song is one where it was like, I wish that whore would die. <laughs> <laughs> and he likes the video with the dick in the sink. Just, uh, does uh, explain the uh, anti-abortion song. Yeah. Uh, the article does go on to say uh, Chavez doesn't regret his decision to quit, saying that there was more to the story. His wife, Kimberly, is the sister of former real estate mogul David Crisp, currently in jail awaiting trial on mortgage fraud. Chavez wanted to be there for his wife. And just in case you were curious, Crisp got 17 and a half years for causing Ooh. losses of more than $29.8 million to defrauded lenders during the housing crisis. Wonderful. Yeah. In 2013, Ransom rejoined the band. Tim Flukey held down vocals until once again in 2017, Chavez rejoined the band. He left again in 2019. And bringing us to today, Ryan Shuck would step into the role of lead vocalist. Why? Why? Ryan Shuck owns like a bunch of fucking restaurants and like he owns a recording studio. He gets all the orgy royalties except for Blue Monday because <laughs> they don't own that song. <laughs> but he was in like Dead by Sunrise with Chester Bennington. Like he's made money. Like why does he want to go on tour with Edema and like we always say, play in middle America's many bars and grills? <laughs> I don't. Well, maybe the answer will become clear to us when they release their fifth studio album, 360 Degrees of Separation, sometime in 2023. God damn it. Nick, that is Edema by Edema. Do you have any parting thoughts on this? This, uh, this isn't a good one, Kevin. <laughs> it's good to be back, Nick. It is. It is good to be back, everybody. Um, and on that note, uh, we really do appreciate all the messages we got from people asking when we were going to come back and people looking to collab uh, some other, we've talked to some other shows mm -hmm. about maybe, maybe doing some stuff together. And I would like to welcome our new international listeners from Germany, Finland, and the Netherlands. We did have quite a few listeners in uh, Michigan last week and no one reached out to us after us calling everyone in Michigan horrible. Yeah. What the Thanks. fuck, Michigan? Step up. <laughs> If you want to reach out to us directly, you can find us at Days of the New on Instagram and on Twitter. You can find me at Nick underscore the underscore knife, also on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, you can find me at KJDELURY. You cannot find me on Twitter. Uh, I was going to retire that bit and I remain committed to it. Fuck Twitter. There you go. Yeah, I, I, I don't I don't know how much longer any of us are going to be over on there. But uh, you can always DM us on uh, on Instagram, either on our personal accounts or on the band's account. Um, for those that keep trying to message me on Facebook Messenger, I'm never going to read those. No, so just it send it over to Instagram. Yeah, thanks. All right, so Nick. What have you been listening to? Frank Turner took the Bronx out on their last tour. And um, during the song Knife Man, the uh, lead singer literally just walked off the stage into the middle of the pit and did this whole song in the pit while it was just like raging around them. Um, and this song kind of has stuck with me because that moment was awesome. So I am going to give you a little bit of uh, about just over a minute of Knife Man by the Bronx. Sweet. Thank you. 
Nice. Yeah. So that is uh, Knife Man by the Bronx, uh, a fantastic punk band from Los Angeles. Yeah. Good stuff. They're like heavy. The strokes. They're great. Excellent. Excellent. So uh, on my end, I have been listening to uh, 38 Special with the album Beyond Belief. Uh, as far as hip hop goes this year, this is probably my favorite hip hop album released in 2022. Of particular note is the song Back to Shore. And it does this really crazy sample of the track Angels with Guns uh, by Jon Stewart. If you've ever heard that, not the one from The Daily Show, but yeah. Uh, so I'm just going to play a little bit of that. The music got the hairy frog. Yeah. Huh. Now when the love die, it's no rebirth. I took care of y'all when I should have took care of me first. All it really takes is some patience, a little research. Find where he stayed and put his face on a t-shirt. Give away free merch. Watch for the guys that say what they did for you. My pockets was thinner than a sheet of tin foil. But to get the oil, gotta dig soil. But you ain't gotta fuck with them niggas that's disloyal. Now I don't take care of no bitch, but my kids spoil. 1.9 on the crib, they live royal. My son grew bigger than me, he's 6'2. I'm black, but my counseling come from a rich Jew, huh? Now I'm sitting with these corporate giants, lawyers with clients that's offering eight time multipliers. They don't know what type of boss that I am. I'm declining at this moment. I don't need no funding so this road to riches, I done made it through the storm. On this road to riches, I'm just trying to make it home. So that is 38 special with Back to Shore off of the album Beyond Belief. Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, so that concludes this week's Days of the New. We will be back with a mosh pit next week. And the week after, we are going to be talking about... Slipknot. Fuck yes. We're going to finally cover an album regarded as good. <laughs> Universally even. Thanks again. We will see you in a week. Later. Later.